You are listening to John Diard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. In this episode, Dr. John talks bone and joint health. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about two incredible therapies for sinus problems like sinus congestion, sinusitis, sinus headaches, allergies, earaches, sore throat, swollen glands. Many of the upper respiratory problems that we have are caused by irritated nasal sinus mucous membranes. We often use antihistamines to dry out the mucus, but they also dry out the mucous membranes, irritating the mucous membranes, making them produce more reactive mucus, making the problem worse and even chronic. Traditionally, there was a technique called neti, using a neti pot like this, where you fill it with a a mild saline solution, and you irrigate the sinuses and clean the sinuses out. That's step one. First, clean your sinuses. Step two, which which is relatively unknown, is a technique called nausea. And nausea is using herbalized oils moisturizing herbs in a base oil, and you drop that into your sinuses, and you sniff that oil into your sinuses, and you lubricate the mucous membranes. First, you irrigate, clean, and then you lubricate. If you went to the beach and you put salt water on your skin, your skin would dry out. If you put salt water into your sinuses, the mucous membranes will actually dry out, and they will may produce more reactive mucus. So the therapy wasn't complete until you finished the job with the nausea, with the lubrication component. Now, neti on its own has been studied as an incredible therapy for your sinuses. It stops nasal secretions. It actually outperformed the nasal sprays for, for, for sinusitis. It actually even reduced the need for medications for sinus, sinus problems as well. So it's a very effective therapy. It stands alone, it works great, but with the addition of the nausea, it works that much better. So these two in combination are incredibly effective. Now when you do the, the neti pot, what you do is you use body temperature water, about a cup of water with about a quarter teaspoon of purified uh, salt with no iodine in it, and you stir that and make a solution. Then you tip your head, and you take this pot and put it in the upper nostril, and you pour it into your sinuses, and the water will go up the upper nostril and out the lower nostril. Keep your mouth open and breathe. I give detailed instructions on how to do that in the article associated with this video. Also cite all the references and the research that's done on these techniques. Very, very incredible. But you do that, and, and you use the whole pot in one nostril, then you swing it around, and and do the other nostril and you complete the cycle. Sometimes it takes about two or three pots per nostril to actually open up the sinuses and clear out the sinuses and get rid of the congestion. After you do that, then you're ready for the, for the net, for the nausea. The nausea is using an herbalized oil. It is very important that it, we use an herbalized oil. Most vegetable oils, the molecule is too large to actually moisturize and penetrate the phospholipid layer in our skin or in our nasal mucosa. So the oil just sits on the surface. But when you actually use herbs and cook the oil and use moisturizing herbs, the oil becomes rarefied and the herbs are, are now carried to and through the skin by the oil and have a very deep moisturizing effect. So you want to get a good quality nausea oil with herbs cooked into it. And you take the oil and then you warm it under a, a faucet till it's just about above body temperature. Check that on your skin and make sure it doesn't burn or skin. Make sure it's just the right temperature. And once you have the oil in the, in the dropper, you take in a big breath in and exhale all the way out. Tip your head back as far as you can go and drop two drops into both nostrils and then sniff deeply into, both, both into your sinuses. And then usually you do that once or twice and you'll feel the oil drip into the back of your mouth and you can spit that out. And then the process is complete. First, irrigate, clean out. That has incredible effects on the sinuses and the congestion on its own. But then finish the job with lubrication and healing the nasal mucosa with an herbalized nausea oil. Please check out the article associated with this video for more details. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about an Ayurvedic remedy that has recently been proved to support sleep. You know, with 30 million Americans affected by insomnia, 
and new research links that numerous chronic diseases are associated with people with insomnia, it's really important we understand the mechanism of insomnia, which is caused by stress. When you're under stress, cumulative and chronic stress, that cortisol, the levels of stress-fighting hormones, don't decrease at night, and they keep us revved up throughout the night, and we don't have the energy to calm them back down. Well, an ancient recipe of taking hot milk before you go to bed, like grandma used to give you, has been shown to actually provide bioactive milk peptides that have a soporific effect, a relaxation effect, a calming of the anxiety effect. They make sleep last longer and more restorative. They've actually been shown to decrease numerous stress markers, has stress impacts digestion, emotional state, cognitive function, and even cardiovascular disease. All these are supported by these milk peptides. Interestingly, these same milk peptides seem to activate the GABA receptors, which are the same receptors that the benzodiazepines, the drugs that we use for anxiety and for sleep and for stress, are, 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 seem to be very beneficial. So they have the same receptor activity. So interestingly, in Ayurvedic medicine, milk is what's called an ojas-producing food, ojas means that it's the physical expression of consciousness. So ojas is the most refined substance in the body according to Ayurveda. It takes about 30 days to make through many enzymatic processes. It's used for reproduction, for immunity, make your skin glow, give your body uh, the ability to fight and cope with stress, have energy, vitality, very, very important. There are other uh, foods that are ojas building foods, and in the article associated with this video, I give you an ancient recipe of taking hot milk and cooking certain foods and certain herbs into it to make this very special, potent Ayurvedic form of hot milk. It includes adding a little shatavari, an herb, and ashwagandha, and dates, and coconut, and cardamom, and saffron, and a little bit of honey and ghee, and you mix it just right, and you take just a half a cup before you go to bed, and it has an incredible beneficial effect on giving you the energy you need to be calm. Studies have shown that... Um, that uh, sleep has been improved by 50 to 60% by taking just 150 milligrams of these, uh, these milk peptides. So it doesn't take a lot for this to happen, so it's very, very interesting. So please go to the article associated with this video where I actually give you the recipe in detail and think about taking some of this hot milk. Now, I know that hot milk, you know, we know that milk is bad, hard to digest. Yes, milk is homogenized, it's pasteurized, all wrong. It's got chemicals and pesticides and preservatives and antibiotics, and all that's true. It renders all that milk very hard to digest, but in most states, you can find non-pasteurized that uh, or non-homogenized, that pasteurized milk. That pasteurized milk is milk that's been boiled uh, only to 130 degrees for 20 minutes. Very, very safe. You can find milk that has been non-homogenized, so the cream rises to the top, and milk easily found without chemicals or hormones or antibiotics. So you can find these milks, heat them up, use the herbs that I talk about in the article associated with this video, and please you know, start taking a little bit of this milk every night before you go to bed for a couple months to see if you can build some resiliency under the chronic impact of stress, which seems to be the major culprit, major cause that's keeping us from having a good night's sleep. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I'm going to talk to you today about a sweetener called xylitol. Research on xylitol has shown that it may prevent tooth decay, it may actually prevent early stage or reverse early stage tooth decay. Now, tooth decay is caused by a bacteria called streptococcal mutans, which is fed by sugar. The more sugar in your diet, the more these bacteria proliferate. They produce a waste product that's very acidic that softens the enamel of the teeth and causes tooth decay. Xylitol may provide an alternative. Uh, xylitol doesn't feed this bacteria. In fact, when you have xylitol in your mouth, the bacteria levels go down. Other good bacteria seem to proliferate. In one study in Belize of 1,200 kids chewing gum, they were broken up into three groups. One group chewed xylitol gum, one group chewed a sugar-based gum, and one group chewed a sorbitol-based gum, which is another natural sweetener. The group that chewed the sugar-based gum actually increased their uh, cavities by 120%. The group that actually chewed the gum with sorbitol, a less potent form of, uh, of uh, xylitol, actually had a reduction of the cavities by 26%. And 
the group that chewed the xylitol gum reduced their cavities by 76%. Now, I never thought I would sit here and do a video or write an article on chewing gum. I've never been a big fan. However, the research is compelling. The research about xylitol being a preventive for tooth decay is compelling. It's something that we need to take a look at. Maybe chewing gum isn't the answer. Maybe using a toothbrush with xylitol may be the best solution of all. And at the very least, we should be doing that. Possibly mints, if you like mints, with xylitol would be another solution. The other research that I've cited um, when I wrote the article recently about why we should chew our vegetables is the chewing itself has been shown to increase cognitive function, memory, clarity, attentiveness. And kids here in Colorado, they're actually encouraged to chew gum during standardized testing because it increases their scores significantly. So there's something to be said about this thing called chewing. I prefer to chew food, but when you, when you, when you get kids chewing gum, they focus better. And if it's xylitol gum, you're going to get uh, you know, some prevention uh, with regard to the cavities. You know, maybe if you're in the store with your kids and you want to buy them a treat and they're begging for a candy bar, you give them a pack of xylitol gum, how bad is that? How good is that? Something to think about. Please read the article associated with this video. Read all the research that I cited about xylitol. It's very interesting. And uh, take a look. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Dior. Hi. My name is Dr. John Yard. I want to talk to you today about five essential lifestyle tips to keep your kids healthy when they go back to school this year. The Children's Hospital Guide for Health and Development had reported that the average kid gets about eight to 10 colds per year. Now, in our family, we have six kids. If each kid got just six colds per year and each cold lasted 10 days, that's 360 days of the year we have somebody sick in our house. Quickly, that became unacceptable behavior. In fact, I uh, wrote a book called Perfect Health for Kids, which is uh, based on all the strategies I used and gleaned keeping my kids healthy over the years and also my patients' kids healthy as well. There are some simple things to do, very important things. In the middle of August, the weather changes. The nights get cooler. The air begins to dry out. When the sinuses dry out and the air dries out, the sinuses produce mucus. They produce reactive mucus to the dryness. The accumulation of heat all summer long dries things out. If you put something on a burner, it's going to dry out. Deserts are dry. When the body becomes dry, the mucous membranes produce mucus. That mucus excessively is uh, a breeding ground for colds and flus and bacteria and can predispose your child to getting sick. So it's important to keep the sinuses lubricated. Now, we don't think about humidifiers in August. However, when the kids go back to school, then it's very important to think about adding those humidifiers even as early as August. One of my favorite other techniques to keep the eustachian tube lubricated is ear oil. You can go to any health food store, buy some ear oil. They have garlic, mullion ear oil that are very demulcent and lubricating, and you warm it up under the sink at it just to be room temperature or a body temperature and a couple of drops in their ears before they go to bed. Uh, with a little cotton ball and it helps to lubricate their sinuses and keep their upper cervical lymph, which is where their immune system is housed in the upper respiratory tract, alive and well. So very important tip, step one, humidifiers and ear oil. Next tip, early to bed. First thing that happens when the kids get back to school, they want to have sleepovers and they want to stay up late. And next thing you know, they've got sports and activities and school and homework and sleepovers and they're up late and they get run down, they get exhausted. So it's very important for us to remember, our kids need their sleep. You know, elementary school kids, I always say before eight o'clock, high school kids before 10 o'clock, that's sort of the cutoff. After that, you're starting to slowly accumulate fatigue and exhaustive debt. When the kids get exhausted, their immune system gets compromised, they get run down, and they get sick. So it's important to make sure we create a routine in the house to help them get to bed early. Hydration, very important thing. You know, in 1850, the average child had one Coke, one pop, one soda per year. Now, the average kid gets two to three per day. So we don't drink water any longer. We drink soda pop and juices and things. And water hydrates. It's extremely important that we hydrate the body. When we hydrate the body, the cells can be uh, hydrated, fed 
the, the spaces between the cells, which is where your lymphatic system is, which is where your immune system is housed, can actually move and circulate. When kids get dried out, they get dehydrated, their lymph gets congested, their immune is compromised, and therefore they get sick. So water, water, water. Water in the morning when they wake up. Water before they go to bed. Water in their lunchbox. As much water as you possibly can with kids. You know, make them drink a big glass of water before they eat their meals. You know, an old recipe was take a big glass of water 15 minutes before the meal. Have them drink that. And then when they sit down to the, eat their food, their digestion is much, much stronger. They're going to be much, much more able to digest, hard to digest food with water prior to the meal. Why is that? Your stomach lining, which produces all the acid, has a bicarbonate layer underneath, which is a buffering system for all the acid your stomach makes. And that's 80% water. If you drink a big glass of water 15, 20 minutes before the meal, that water hydrates that buffer layer and allows the, the buffer to be optimized and the body goes, hey, we got a big time buffer down there. Let's make some acid, let's cook some food. But if that stomach lining is dehydrated and there's no buffer, your stomach simply won't produce the acid. It can give your child a stomach ache and also compromised digestion. And a compromised digestion causes a compromised immunity because 80% of your digestion, experts believe, is in your intestinal tract. So this next tip, the fourth tip, is that digestion actually is where our immune system is housed. So good digestion delivers good immunity. Late meals, eating late at night, that's a challenge for most kids to eat a meal late at night. The digestive system turns off after the sun sets. So try to get your kids fed early. Um, so many kids are constipated. I have families and moms and dads bring their kids in and I say, when was the last, how, do you, how often do you go to the bathroom? Do you poop every day? And, uh, Kids don't seem to know. They kind of get embarrassed and shrug their shoulders. Mom and dads don't know uh, how often they go. Nobody seems to know. It's like the big unknown. And it's very important that we know if we're going to the bathroom regularly. Once a day, first thing in the morning is optimal. Uh, more than that for certain body types is extra credit. But it's important to know that we should go every day. Kids don't eat vegetables. Vegetables have cellulose in bulk that allows us to go to the bathroom on a regular basis. That's the biggest thing. That and water critical pieces of the eliminative puzzle. And since the immune system is in your digestive system, we must eat those vegetables and drink the water. My favorite way to get my kids to eat vegetables is for me to eat a ridiculous amount of vegetables. It's kind of a monkey see, monkey do thing. If they see mom and dad eating so many vegetables, they're gonna eat them. It's just that simple. I know they don't like them, but I promise you, if we as parents are eating the, the what we need is vegetables, which is a really a lot, they will follow suit. Simpler, more simple than you think. The last piece about uh, helping your kids stay healthy lifestyle-wise is, is how to regulate their mood with diet. Kids come home from school. What they had for lunch is, is the second big unknown. No one really knows for sure what they eat at lunchtime. It's, who knows? Uh, we make it, we, we provide money to go buy it. Whether they eat it or not, we don't, we're not really sure. They come home from school, one thing we do know is they're hungry and, and famished at three o'clock in the afternoon when they come home from school. At that point, the brain is saying, I want food. My blood sugar is being demanded by my brain at that time to, to feed the brain and feed the nervous system. So we're gonna crave candy, Coke, sweets, chocolate, any kind of in quick, fast, injectable type of snack which gives us an energy boost and what goes up must come crashing down. And it creates high lows in the afternoon energy. So the kids get high, then they get low, and then they feel depleted, they don't wanna do their homework, they fight with their siblings, it becomes a mess. But if you give your child a really good meal when they come home, a substantial meal, interestingly, they're starving, they'll eat anything, even the green stuff at that time. So what we always did with our kids was we always had a meal that we had for lunch, sitting there on the stove waiting for them to come home. So when they come home, they could have a nice real meal. Do the best you can with that. That allows the kids to have an early meal at three, then another early supper if possible, best you can, but even if it's a late supper, because you had a good meal at three, it doesn't have to be so huge for kids so they don't go to sleep on such a full stomach and then they can get to bed earlier. Please 
read the article. I go into the details of each of these five tips, and these are the tips that I have used for years to keep my health, my kids healthy, and my patients' kids healthy. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Briard. Hi, I'm Dr. John Briard, and I want to talk to you today about how to stop a cold in its tracks. You know, we are constantly being exposed to viruses and bacteria and germs, and we can wash our hands and maintain good hygiene, but more importantly, it's our susceptibility that keeps us from getting sick. The first level of susceptibility is when we get stressed out, run down, and exhausted. That causes us to produce stress-fighting hormones, which are immune-compromising. The chemistry of stress is very acidic. Our lymphatic system, particularly our cervical lymph, which drains the respiratory tract, becomes congested. And when the lymphatic system is congested, the immune system is literally stuck in traffic and can't respond to a bacteria or a virus as quickly as it should. So that's the first level of susceptibility, is not to let ourselves get run down or exhausted. Secondly, when the sinuses get dried out because the lymph can't drain the way it could, we begin to get kind of a scratchy throat. Our respiratory tract is lined with finger-like epithelium, skin with little projections that sweep toxins and villi through the respiratory tract so they can be processed into the lymphatic system and drained out of the body as quickly as possible. If they dry out, then we will get a scratchy, sore throat. And that's the second level of susceptibility of the common cold. And the third level of susceptibility is when those respiratory mucosa, after being dried out because the lymph isn't draining well, or we're in a very dry environment, like in the winter, with dry heat blowing on us, and the winter causes a very significant amount of dryness in the air. The, 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 the rain even dries out as snow. The environment is extremely dry, and the respiratory tract dries out and produces a significant amount of respiratory mucus, and that, that can be produced in an excessive manner that causes the villi, the little cilia in your respiratory tract to become congested. The bacteria and viruses are opportunistic. They breed in this mucus and they find safe haven in this mucus and they cause an infection. So we don't actually get infected until after we've been, so the lymph system has been compromised because of stress and becoming run down. The respiratory tract has become dried out and irritated and, the, and then the mucus produce reactive mucus and then we become vulnerable to the infection. So if we treat the body with antibiotics at that point in time, it can be very, very effective, but we haven't, we, we can treat the body much earlier to prevent the infection from taking place. Now, if you do get infected, then please go to your doctor, get checked out, make sure you're not in harm's way. If you need antibiotics, then take them. They, they, they save lives. But, but more importantly is what we can do for our family and for ourselves to treat the first three levels of susceptibility before the infection takes place. Now, the fourth level of susceptibility is when we, create, when we have chronic dryness uh, that causes post-nasal drip. The post-nasal drip is a thin layer of mucus that drips down the back of our throat and can irritate the bronchioles, causing a dry cough, or it can become excessive and cause an infection in the bronchioles or in the lower lungs and cause a more serious infection. And that's the fourth level of susceptibility, and that's something that we have to protect ourselves against. Now, years ago, I would have to use many, many different herbs to treat all those different levels of susceptibility. But a few years back, I designed a formula called cold cough, which has three Ayurvedic herbs that do an amazing job in stopping a cold in its tracks. How does it do that? Well, there's one of the herbs is called trichitu. It's a series of three peppers ginger, black pepper, and long pepper, and they decongest the upper respiratory tract. They thin the mucus so the mucus can flow out of the sinuses into the digestive system, into the lymph in a more efficient manner. It also increases the circulation of the respiratory tract so those cells can turn over and rejuvenate themselves. The second herb is an herb called sitopalati. It's a very ancient Ayurvedic formula for the respiratory tract, traditionally used for thousands of years for asthma and breathing difficulties. And what this formula does is it actually 
opens up the airways, it heals the respiratory tract, and it actually heals the mucosa of the lower lobes of the lungs as well as the sinuses. So this is a great addition to this formula. And then the last herb is called turmeric, and turmeric is well studied for its boosting of the immune system. It actually heals the cilia of the respiratory tract. It actually increases bile flow, which is a big immune protector in our, in our intestinal tract. It actually decreases inflammation, much like vitamin D does and protects our immune system. It also is a great uh, antiviral agent, so it actually protects ourselves, and it heals and repairs respiratory mucosa and thins the mucus. So when you put all three of those together, we have, we have the turmeric and the trichotu to thin the mucus, and the turmeric to heal the respiratory tract, and the turmeric is also a great lymphatic mover to get the cervical lymph to begin to drain, as well is the trichotu, which stimulates circulation to get the lymph to drain as well. And of course, the sitoplati to actually really go in there and soothe and heal the respiratory mucosa. Three amazing herbs, all in one formula. You take two of those capsules every two hours at the first sign of a cold, and you can usually turn a cold back in its tracks. It's just an amazing uh, combination of herbs that works incredibly well. In addition to that, I like to do two other things. One is get a thermos, fill it with hot water, and sip it every five or 10 minutes as much as you can during those first couple of hours of that respiratory irritation and sore throat, and just sip as much plain hot water as you possibly can. Boil the water, put it in a thermos, two or three sips every five to 10 minutes for, the, for three days if you need it that long. Uh, but, but usually best to stay in these routines for the full three days and turn this cold around once and for all. And the very last thing I want to tell you about is a technique called ear oil. And you can go to the health food store and buy an ear oil called uh, garlic mullion, which is probably the best one you can buy. I also, in the article associated with this video, I tell you how to make your own simple, simple, takes about 10 minutes to make your own garlic ear oil, extremely simple. You take the ear oil and you warm it up just above body temperature. You put it in both ears, uh, in, in, you know, two or three times a day to actually help increase cervical lymphatic drainage that activates your immune system and your body, your lymph system starts to become engaged, comes back online, and it supports an incredible immune response. So between the ear oil, the sipping of the hot water, and taking the cold cough every two hours, two capsules every two, capsules every two hours for, the, for these three days, can almost always turn a cold around in its tracks. Please read the article associated with this video. I go step-by-step step through this process. I give you some information, some of the research done on some of these herbs, and also how to, um, how to do the hot water, and also how to make your own ear, ear oil. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about how to know your child. A few years ago, I was teaching at a private school, introducing some of the principles from my Body Mind Sport book about how to, how to direct children to a sport that was more suited to their body type. You know, the President's Council of Fitness really tests kids on one standard. If you're not that body type, you don't do well. A Lewis Harris poll showed that 50% of American kids experienced their first major failure in life as a sports failure. I mean, kids know that because when they climb the ropes, it's a public humiliation. Kids would rather go to the dentist or go to an orthodontic appointment than go to gym class. Kids, in many cases, are scared to death to go to class. Well, this was, I really believe, unacceptable. I think every one of us has an athlete inside of us, and we have to kind of dig it out. So this one girl, her name was Sharon. She was asked to run the mile under 10 minutes to pass the class, which is required. 50% of school-age girls can't do this, but she was asked to do it anyway. She trained hard for it, and she finished in 11 minutes and 30 seconds and failed the class and came to me with tears in her eyes and said, would you please write me a note so I never have to go to gym class again? And I said, boy, I don't think I can really do that, but I'm here to help your coach and your uh, PE teacher gonna help direct you to a sport that might be more suited to your body type. Fast forward, six months later, I'm there, uh, back at the school, and I see this little girl again. She comes up, come up to me with a big smile on her face, and she tells me, true story. She says, I just came back from the regional championships as a race walker. 
race walking is for certain body types. She was not the fastest kid. She's bigger, solid, heavier set. She could walk forever. She had great endurance, but not great speed. She went as a race walker, and all of a sudden, she became an athlete. She said to me, even more, something more amazing. She said, and I just joined the basketball team. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, the little Vata kids who are quick and fast and skinnier, and the Pitta kids who are aggressive and can move real fast and dribble. She goes, they pass the ball and dribble. I get rebounds. So she had all of a sudden, on a basketball team, those other kids would pass the ball and, get, and, and dribble, but I get rebounds. All of a sudden, there was a place for her on a sports field in a gym with a basketball in her hand. And that's something that's so critically important that we know who our child is. In the article associated with this video, I go into some detail about the three basic Ayurvedic types. On my website at lifespot.com, you can take a body type questionnaire, a free questionnaire. It's interactive. It tells you who you are, and you can do it with your kids and your family. It's fun, and it's great because I give you the profiles of your child. You get to see what the emotional profile of your child is, what the behavioral profile is, and of course what their mental profile is. So you get to get them, of course their fitness and physical is there too, but that's, but, which are all, all important, and you get a grand total of their overall body type. But what I love about my questionnaire is that you can look in the details and get to see, hey, why is my kid not studying? Why is my kid really, you know, kind of nervous or forgetful? Or, you know, why do they get lost in in uh, dreamland, for example, which a lot of them seem to do. This is understood by the emotional, mental, and physical and behavioral profiles that we go through in our body type. Definitely check it out on the website. You know, there's three basic types. There's vata, which is really means air. It's cold and dry, like winter is cold and dry. So these kids are thinner. They get cold easy. Their skin is more dry. They may be more constipated, but mentally they're creative. They're artistic. They're thinking of you know, design, and, and they're uh, extremely passionate, very, very sensitive, but they're not really competitive. They're not driven to take the, uh, to beat another person. The Pitta kids, the fiery summer kids, who have a lot of heat in their body. Pitta means fire. They are more competitive, and they're more driven, and they have to be careful not to be overly competitive. There can be the perfectionistic kids who push themselves so hard that they literally burn out. You have to be careful and understand those kids and direct them towards activities that are kind of sometimes, you know, uh, they do better on teams because it's not just only about them in school, academically, on the field. You give them some teams to pass along some of the responsibility it helps them soften their intensity. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Kapha kids. Sharon, my story, she was a Kapha child. Big, heavy set, easygoing, mellow, happy, go lucky, loves life, loves people, but also very sensitive and one that can get easily hurt feelings and also needs movement. Their body type is what we like to call hypometabolic. They're slow metabolically, so they need physical activity. So they really do need the exercise. So for her to get kind of, kind of uh, a bad uh, attitude towards exercise is really detrimental to her type because she truly needs the exercise to stay healthy. And if they don't get the exercise, they don't move, they get congested, they get heavy, they gain weight, and they can even get uh, melancholy or depressed and that's not a good, um, a good way for them to go through life or start their life. So please, go to my website at lifespot.com, take the body type uh, questionnaire with your family, and get to know who your children are. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard. I want to talk to you today about something I like to call a college survival kit, a kit to help your kids survive college. You know, it's not all fun and games at college. You're put under a lot of pressure to perform. And uh, you know they end up staying up very, very late. They get easily exhausted without realizing it. The food is less than uh, optimal, sometimes terrible. Uh, they get so exhausted without realizing it, they, they depend on stimulants like Red Bull and even uh, Adderall and caffeine, which injects them. They get more energy, and then they get even more depleted, so they get on that roller coaster of needing 
to borrow money from Peter to pay Paul with energy and going further into debt. And of course, that compromises their immune system. And you know, number one, I, the number one thing I see with kids in college is they get exhausted. Their immune system is compromised. They get sick a lot. They have emotional ups and downs and even lots and lots of depression. Uh, unfortunately, depression is something they're not really allowed to talk about, so they internalize it, and that can uh, undermine their overall success and actually create real problems down the road. So the College Survival Kit is designed to help these kids survive college. You know, I was with my son uh, a year ago, and he invited me to sleep in his dorm, and, and I did, and uh, the incessant roar of commotion, both inside the dorm and outside in the courtyard, uh, was so loud that it literally began to escalate at around 12 o'clock midnight and didn't begin to die down until 2 a.m. And about 3 a.m. it seemed to finally settle down. Uh, and that was a weekday night. I, I couldn't believe it. Your kids need eight hours of sleep. They need to get some sleep. You know, and sometimes they're not going to get it when we would love them to get it. And I talk about that in the article associated with this video, that they should get to bed early and get up early. Probably not really going to happen in college life, although as they get older and they can move out of the dorm, they can actually begin to live a more healthy lifestyle, and it works. But those early years are the tough ones. And um, so, but a lot of kids have big, huge breaks in the middle of school, in the middle of the day. They can get home and catch a cat nap then. They definitely need to be encouraged to get their sleep. You know, they eat meals, junk food here, junk food there, pops, health, you know, cliff bars here, pizza, beer here. It's, it's a... Uh, a hard way to survive and study and function when you're not getting good nutrition. So always try to encourage your kids to get three good meals per day. Make them count, make them sit down, and may try to make those energy meals last so they have energy through the day and into the night to do their studying. Uh, snacks, as much as I'm not a big believer in snacks, if they're getting three meals a day plus snacks, we're good. We just want to make sure they're getting good quality nutrition. Because they get so exhausted, they depend on stimulants, and it's very important for us to realize that uh, we need to help keep them energized so they have the energy to ha without having to borrow from Peter to pay Paul, without having to go to caffeine or stimulants like Red Bull to get the energy to make it through class and to make it through night so they can study. So I put together this kind of college survival kit. The first thing in the kit is vitamin D, a deficiency that affects upwards of 87% of the American population in the winter. It's really a big deal. Vitamin D has been, been linked to the seasonal affective disorder. When the sun doesn't shine, we don't get vitamin D, therefore the mood can be somewhat compromised. Vitamin D has also been linked to um, the immune system. And uh, the more vitamin D that you have in your system, the more efficient your immune system seems to respond. So having adequate levels of vitamin D in the winter, particularly since most of the colleges seem to be in places where the sun doesn't shine, uh, it's a great idea for your kid to be on a regular dose of vitamin D. I usually suggest about 5,000 international units per day during the school months. And then at the end of when they come back in May, uh, get their blood tested, make sure that their, uh, their vitamin D levels are optimal. That's 50 to 80 nanograms per milliliter. That's the higher end of normal. It's not extra high. It's not above the normal level, but that's where you need to be. Very important vitamin D. I've written many articles about that in my newsletter, so if you want more info on that, please go there. Ashwagandha, one of the classic adaptogens, helps the body cope with stress, uh, deep rejuvenation. In one study, ashwagandha was shown to increase cortisol when needed and decrease cortisol when needed. So when you're under a huge amount of stress, cortisol levels rise and they won't let you sleep at night. Ashwagandha helps to bring those cortisol levels back down. When you're exhausted and depleted and cortisol levels are depleted, then ashwagandha helps to bring that back. So it's not a stimulant nor a sedative. It's a deep rejuvenative, and boy, do kids need that. Deep rejuvenation while they go to college. The last one on my college survival kit is turmeric. Turmeric has been shown to support immunity and natural detox. You know, your intestinal walls where 80% of your immune system lies. Turmeric seems to help and support the health and function of the intestinal tract where the immune system uh, seems to be most active. Turmeric helps to keep the villi functional so the villi can absorb nutrition and detoxify toxins into a very active lymphatic system. So uh, turmeric also very important for natural uh, detoxification. Turmeric has 10 neuroprotective agents. 
uh, that help support cognitive function. Now, how good is that? Kids need cognitive function. Turmeric helps them have good, healthy digestion where the immune system is housed. It helps them have good cognitive function. And also, interesting, is turmeric crosses the blood-brain barrier. Now, college, we're not sure what else crosses the blood-brain barrier, but it's important for them to have something like turmeric that seems to help support natural detoxification of chemicals and toxins that enter into the brain chemistry and can affect cognitive function. So please go to my website, Read the article associated with this video where I go into detail into the college survival kit, something that I make sure my kids have in college and something that I make sure my patients can have to survive uh, a rough ride when they're in those college years. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Briard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Briard. I want to talk to you today about energy drinks. In 2009, a young 14-year-old girl drank two 24-ounce cans of an energy drink called Monster and died. Uh, the coroner report showed that there was caffeine toxicity. It made many folks wonder if these energy drinks are actually safe. Now, there's about 13 wrongful death lawsuits filed against an energy drink called Five Hour Energy, about 93 FDA reports complaining about these energy drinks being toxic and dangerous to one's health. So there's a lot of investigation taking place, whether or not these are providing too much caffeine. Well, from the caffeine perspective, you know, one eight ounce can of energy drink is about 80 gram, uh, milligrams of caffeine. One eight ounce cup of coffee is about 80 milligrams of caffeine. It takes about 16,000 milligrams of caffeine to kill you, that's about 100 cups of coffee. Uh, it takes about 5,000 for you to get an overdose, but only 400 milligrams of caffeine a day is considered unsafe, and for a teenager, it's only 100. So it's very easy for children, young adults, teenagers, and the average age of these energy drink users are about 17 years old. So it's very easy for these kids to uh, overdose in caffeine, and so much of it depends on the individual sensitivity. Some kids can drink a ton of it and be okay, and some kids can't. And I think it really boils down to individual sensitivity. But there's some interesting facts. The, in 2010, the Australian Poison Control Center did a report, and they found like 297 complaints against these energy drinks. Uh, One-third of them were actually with co-ingesting other things like alcohol and other stimulants and things like that. But two-thirds of them were actually just from the energy, energy drink alone. So it's questionable whether it's you know, the individual sensitivity, the, that sensitivity on top of other uh, uh, drinks, substances, alcohol, stimulants that can be compounding. Other thing that happens with kids is they drink a lot of alcohol, they drink, they drink a lot of caffeine, and their body builds a tolerance to it. So they keep ratcheting up the amount of alcohol and the amount of uh, caffeine that they can drink. And now all of a sudden what used to you know, get them energy to study all night was a couple of cups of coffee. Now they need six or seven or ten cups of coffee, and that's when they run the risk of overusing these energy drinks, which is you know, particularly significant. Not to mention the fact that these energy drinks are not just made from caffeine. In fact, they're loaded with amino acids, which are concentrated proteins. They're loaded with vitamins in concentrated forms. They're loaded with other exotic herbs that are stimulating and drive energy in the body in other ways other than caffeine. So when you combine this whole kind of cocktail of energizing agents, vitamins, minerals, amino acids, herbs, we don't have enough research to know how these interact. When you take extracts of plants and you put them together, you're basically taking the active ingredient in a plant and you're concentrating it, you're giving it to a child, and you're taking many of those together, and that's when we run into interaction. So I believe that a lot of the issues here are, number one, overdoing the caffeine. Number two, not having the, 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 uh, the manufacturers not really knowing what happens when you combine so many of these exotic ingredients together and then take them at high, high doses, which kids will do because they do build a tolerance to these things and that becomes a problem. So I really think you have to look at these energy drinks carefully. Caffeine is oftentimes giving the body energy which it doesn't really have. And if we are stimulating the body to make energy which it doesn't have, it's going to go into debt and it's going to become exhausted and then therefore not have the resiliency or tolerance to handle that kind of stimulation down the road and that can cause problems. 
And in young kids with individual sensitivities to alcohol, to caffeine, to stimulants, it can be very, very dangerous. So please be aware. And there are many natural ways, the herbs that I believe in using my practice, there are many herbs we call adaptogenic herbs, herbs like ashwagandha that can give you energy in the morning, but also put you to sleep at night. Try drinking a glass or a can of Monster and going to sleep. It's not going to happen because it's stimulating you to make energy which you don't have. Other herbs like shilajit and brahmi and goksha, herbs that I talk about in the article associated with this video, herbs that naturally rebuild and rejuvenate the body so it has the energy to become, energy to, if it has to push itself through the night and study, it can do that. Vitamin B12 is one of the major ingredients in these, in these drinks. But when you take vitamin B12 by itself, it can be very safe as a water-soluble vitamin. That combined with so many other herbs, amino acids and stimulants, it can be at risk. And also vitamin D, a deficiency that affects about 80% of the American population, can also be a factor that cuts down on the stamina and allows this stress that our kids are oftentimes under, whether it be studying or late night movie watching or video games incessantly, this can all deplete the nervous system and put them at risk not only for immune issues, but also uh, you know, maintaining stable mood and also optimal health. And also at high levels can be very dangerous. So please read the article associated with this video. Let's get educated about these energy drinks and be logical about them. You know, in moderation, they're going to be fine. But for a sensitive child who's sensitive to foods, this is a road I wouldn't hoe because we don't have enough information to know how many, how all these concentrated extract substances work together at high doses over the long term. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Diar. Hi, my name is Dr. John Biard. You know, I have many patients who come to me in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and out of the blue, their body breaks down. They get heart disease, they have high blood pressure, the blood pressure sugar starts going off the charts, chronic pain, indigestion, so many things begin to happen, and they always seem to wonder, was it the abuse in my teens, the abuse in my 20s, that caused me to pay this price now in my 40s and my 50s? And, you know, the answer is yes. This body is like a car. You take care of it, it runs for a long time. It can go the distance and go forever. But if you beat it up early on, it's not going to look great later on in life. And I, want, and I write this article and do this video so we can show our teenage kids and our college kids that, and make sure they've been properly warned. Because many folks say, God, I wish I would have known that that kind of use would, I'd pay this kind of price now 20, 30 years later. And you will. And it does have a cumulative impact. So I want to talk to you about what you can do and what the wear and tear is on a very ballistic kind of unleashed lifestyle. One, sleep. They did a study with 10,000 people and they measured their sleep. And when they get between six and eight hours of sleep, everything's great. They get less than six hours of sleep or even more than eight hours of sleep, they have significant cognitive decline. They're, they age significantly faster, up to seven years faster. Um, they have more likely to increase risk of heart disease, diabetes, weight gain, hormonal imbalances, and premature death, all related to not sleeping as well as they should. That lack of sleep causes increased cortisol. Cortisol is adrenaline. Adrenaline means stress. When your body's under excessive, unnecessary stress, that is the number one cause of 80% of all disease. So the studies are conclusive that when you push the limits, you're going to pay a price. And many of these prices aren't paid until you're 20, you're 20 30 years later. So that's why I want you to be properly warned. So don't think that that lifestyle, smoking some cigarettes or drinking or partying or staying late, that you're going to just get away with it. Yeah, you're 20 years old and your body's ballistic. It's bulletproof. You can do whatever you want, but it's not going to last. I promise you that it just doesn't last. You know, alcohol is a known carcinogen. The U.S. Department of Health has deemed alcohol as a carcinogen. And when you drink it in excess, it does significant damage to your liver. Not to mention your esophagus and your mouth and other places that puts your risk of cancer. But it's very significantly damaging to the liver. It takes about six to eight hours for your liver to detoxify alcohol. Which means while it's doing that, it ain't doing anything else. It's completely focused on dealing with the alcohol. So other toxins that are the liver should be processing are slipping through the liver, going into your bloodstream, into your arteries, into your blood, and even into your brain. And that's the way it goes. The toxins on this planet are fat-soluble. 
Your liver's job is to make those fat-soluble chemicals water-soluble so they can be flushed out of the system. That's a big job. And when it's overwhelmed and too busy to do it, it, sips, it just ships it right back into the blood. The blood looks for places to put this fat-soluble stuff, like your fat cells and your brain cells, all of which are fat. And now we're seeing many, many studies showing people with heavy metal toxicity and what they call brain gravel in the brain causing and predisposing folks to cognitive decline. And so the studies are conclusive. It is going to have a negative effect. And probably the most important thing is what you eat. You eat junk food, processed foods, sugary foods, whatever you want. And I know you're young and resilient, you want to party, but I I'm, but I'm just want to make sure that you know that when you eat those foods, like a loaf of bread that will sit on the shelf for a month has been processed so much that it can't be digested. Uh, the liver doesn't know what to do with it. Milk, for example, traditionally you milk a cow and you put the milk in the fridge and it lasts for five to seven days, maximum. Now milk will last a month in the fridge. This is a processed product. Your liver doesn't know what to do with those things and it completely saturates and bogs down the function of your liver. It's almost as if you didn't clean your stove for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. Imagine the layers and layers of grease, that undigestible uh, grease that your liver doesn't know what to do. And then the problem is, is your liver becomes so congested, it can't balance your cholesterol levels. It ships the cholesterol back into your blood. It can't balance your blood sugar. And yes, your blood sugar, the number one cause of the number one killer in America, which is heart disease, is your blood sugar issue. And that is affecting you know, one third, 100 million Americans, 90 million of them don't know they have a pre-diabetic condition. Experts say all of us, 100% of Americans in the next 10 years will be pre-diabetic because of the sugary processed food diet that we eat. And yeah, it does start. You know, I tell you when you get a car, if you change the oil all the time to keep the liver, the oil clean, the thing runs forever. If you don't do that, you pay a price. The car doesn't work that great. And this is exactly the same thing. So I'm encouraging you to be aware of what you put in your mouth. Be aware of the sleep and how important it is to get good sleep. Be aware of how much toxicity you put into your body in the name of partying or having a good time. There is wear and tear, and there's, a, 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 there's an intelligent, kind of mature way of going about it that will not break your body down. And I'm not saying you have to live in a bubble, but it's very important for you to realize that the excess, if you push the envelope too far, some of that, uh, some of that excess is potentially can cause irreversible damage down the road. And I just see so many people in their 40s, 50s, 60s suffering so bad that I just wanna let you know early on that you have a choice and the choice takes place now, early on. Please read this article associated with this video. Thanks for listening, I'm Dr. John DeYard. This recording is brought to you by Life Spa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at lifespa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.